Taterskin and the Eco Defenders, Book One, Wonders Never Cease, Chapter 21. We then bade farewell to the friends we had made in late 18th century Australia, our partners in keeping the world and its inhabitants safe. After wishing each other well, we ascended skyward in the Zephyr while waving goodbye and shouting our final encouragements to the animal friends we had coached and grown to love. We asked them to convey our farewells to our friends who inhabit the watery deep, too, and they promised they would do that. Terry didn't like the VTOL part of the flights, that is to say the takeoffs and landings, during which, instead of moving horizontally through the sky, the Zephyr moved vertically up on liftoff or down when landing. Terry said that it didn't feel natural to be moving straight up or straight down that way, so what she would do is wait until we had reached our cruising altitude and had begun hovering, and then she would fly up and join us. Or, when hovering prior to landing, she would glide down to the ground and wait for us there. As Terry noisily flapped her oversized wings on the approach to her perch on the back of the Zephyr, I was struck by the juxtaposition. Most humans would be surprised that a dog not only knows that word, but also understands what it means and can use it in a sentence, of ages that were represented among us passengers. Here was Terry dating from 15 million years ago, and then there were the rest of us who had all been born millions of years after her, and were sitting in a state-of-the-art time and space travel vehicle that was not created until hundreds of years in the future. It was 1788 still, and the original Arodnap wasn't designed until the early 21st century. Once Terry was aboard and had folded her wings against her side, we waved to the eager upturned faces below one last time, and off we flew, a short distance to the forest where we had first met Yuki. We were soon hovering over that place, stationary in space, but rapidly advancing in time. We saw many of the trees directly below rapidly grow up toward us, as if we were watching time-lapse videography. After advancing in time all the way to 2525, we spotted Yuki a short distance below us, slumbering high up in his favorite gum tree. He had not even finished eating his last eucalyptus leaf before taking his siesta. A half-chewed piece of it was still sticking out of his mouth. Hey, Albert, I have an idea, Draco said. I want to play a trick on Yuki. Land the Zephyr over that hill yonder, so he won't see it when he wakes up. Albert humored the bearded dragon, and Draco excitedly clambered out of the Zephyr as soon as we landed and made a beeline toward Yuki's tree. Scaling the tree, no pun intended, as silently as she could, Draco settled on a branch next to her koala bear friend. Not wanting to give away her joke by countenance or voice, Draco forced herself to wipe the silly grin off her face. The first time she had ever done so of her own accord and act cool. Okay, breathe deep, calm down, and think serious thoughts, she told herself. Once Draco was earnest enough to commence with her little prank, 
She stretched and yawned in an exaggerated way. Yuki twitched his nose, but then inhaled and sighed deeply and, without even opening his eyes, went back to sleep. Draco frowned and stretched and grunted and yawned again, louder this time. Yuki absent-mindedly began slowly resuming the chewing of his eucalyptus leaf, but soon stopped. Draco now started hissing, and finally, when she saw that that had no effect, slapped Yuki in the face with her tail. That woke the koala bear up. What's going on? What's happening? Where am I? Who am I? He mumbled, rubbing his eyes with his forepaws. Draco just stared at Yuki, reminding herself to keep a straight face and calm voice. Draco, it's you, Yuki said as the koala bear gradually became fully awake. Where did you come from, or when did you come from, maybe I should ask. What do you mean, my friend, Draco said with a confused and concerned expression on her face. What do you mean, what do I mean? I haven't seen you in months, and now here you are all of a sudden. Are you feeling okay, Yuki? I haven't been anywhere. We've been talking and napping and eating here in your tree this whole time. Don't you remember? Now, Draco, don't pull my tail. I last saw you in Xenia, when I left your home there with Warble and Mary McGorkle, who then dropped me off here at my wonderful, beautiful tree, at my home sweet home in Una Whoop Whoop, Australia. Orble and Mary McGorkle? I've never heard of them. And Xenia? Where in the world is that? I think you must have had a vivid dream, my friend, or... You haven't been smoking those leaves, have you? Yuki paused, gulped, and looked around, trying to get his bearings and... Makes sense of all of this. But it's as clear in my mind and solid in my memory as us sitting here right now talking, Draco. Don't you remember when we went to Darjeeling, India, where we dropped off Mola Gatani and picked up stripes? Or going to Switzerland, where Warble wanted to hollow out the mountains? Or to Africa, where we met Rory Zamba the Lion, the elephant's tub thumper, and her brother Chumbawamba? And Yuck Yuck the Hyena. Yuki, either you're the one pulling my tail, or you're going around the bend. I don't know anything about dropping off soup in India, or getting infected with shingles there, or any of the rest of that stuff you're blabbering about. These animals you talk about meeting, that never happened. They are figments of your imagination. To think of it, lions and tigers... Wait just a minute there, Missy, Yuki interrupted. He was fully awake now, his mind working like a steel trap. I'm a Miz, thank you very much, Draco corrected. Okay, then, wait just a minute there, Miz. I said nothing about a tiger. That is, I mentioned the tiger's name. But you claimed to misunderstand me, saying that I was talking about shingles. You have been pulling my tail this whole time. Here I was, so glad to see you back again, 
and all you can think to do is play a trick on me and embarrass me. Yuki angrily turned his head away, insulted and disappointed by the practical joke his so-called friend had pulled on him. Draco felt bad then. She realized she had gone too far with her fun and games. Come on now, Yukes. Yuke. Yuki, look at me, please, Draco pleaded. Yuki finally turned his head back around slowly, but with the injured and outraged look still in his eyes. Well, he said, continuing to glare at Draco. I'm sorry, Yuki. I didn't mean to hurt your feelings that way. I thought it would be funny. It wasn't. I see that now. Would you please forgive me? I apologize from the heart of my bottom. Still, with the jokes. I was going to forgive you, but now I don't know. Please, it was a slip of the tongue, Yukes, my old pal and bosom companion. I apologize profusely and unconditionally from the bottom of my heart. Well, I'll think about it. I'm not even sure you've got one. A bottom? Oh, I can assure you I do, Draco replies. You just can't help yourself, can you, Yuki says, shaking his head, trying to stay angry but involuntarily revealing the beginning of a wry grin. I guess you're right, Draco admits. Just as a tiger can't change his stripes, a bearded dragon cannot always suppress her wit. Anyway, why don't you come down to see Albert and the rest of the gang? A pair of newcomers have joined us. I'm sure you'll be interested in meeting them. One of them, only recently joined us, is from here in Australia. And the other is from 9,000 miles and 15 million years ago. Okay, okay, you hit me at Albert and the rest of the gang. But I'm a little curious about these two newcomers also. Let me grab one more eucalyptus leaf for the road, and down we'll go.